On today's show, we are coming in with some hot data that actually proves generative AI's first hype cycle, first act, was way overhyped. Yeah, there were some winners, but there were a lot of failures. But that's all right, because we're going to walk through the second act of generative AI, what's to come, some mind-blowing use cases that I, I promise you are going to be the thing you think about this week. I'm your co-host, Kit Bodner, Chief Marketing Officer at HubSpot. I'm joined by my co-host, Kieran Flanagan, who's the Chief Marketing Officer over at Zapier. This is Marketing Against the Grain, your show for marketing-minded people everywhere. Let's get into today's episode. If you're a startup and you have big growth dreams, you need the right CRM platform. That's HubSpot. I want to tell you all about HubSpot for startups. It's our program where you can get up to 90% off your HubSpot subscription. You need to increase leads. You need to boost revenue. You need to improve your customer's experience. HubSpot for startups helps with all of that. Plus, you'll get 24-7 customer support and integrations from more than 1,500 of today's most popular apps. I almost forgot there's a complete collection of amazing resources to help you learn and get better at your craft. HubSpot is trusted by some of the best startups in the world and is used by over 200,000 customers around the globe. To see if you're eligible to join the HubSpot for Startups program and take your growth to the next level, visit HubSpot.com startups. All right, all right, everybody. Kieran Flanagan, you are back in the house, coming hot off some vacay, and we are talking all about the second act of generative AI today. Kieran, you, you WhatsApped me, I think, one of the best sets of charts I have seen about AI, period, to date. Do you want to pull those up and walk us through some of the mind-blowing data from the kind of, I'd say, the first AI hype cycle, especially from the last kind of year where AI was kind of on fire. Sequoia create really great content around AI. They did this entire article when AI was started and just around like the first act and really went into where they saw the winners and losers and had some hypotheses of where they thought they would be. And they came out and did a second one, right? And went through like where we were right, where we were wrong, or where we were kind of like in between those two things. And I think in the first part is like, AI has been on this kind of hype bandwagon, hype cycle. Within that, there has certainly been some winners. If you think about ChatGPT, one of the fastest apps to grow of all time. Huge winner. Mid-journey, an incredible success where you have a company of less than 20 employees generating hundreds of millions in revenue, and it's used by many, many millions of users. And then you have companies like character.ai, and they have some great stats in here where people within character.ai spend around two hours within the app. So it has a lot of engagement, generating a lot of money already, a unicorn. And so there's been some successes, but where there's been some failures, hasn't been on the kind of distribution. It's really been trying to find a use case that's sticky. Oh, right. I thought these charts that you're about to show were so interesting. Right. I want you to break them down in the most simplistic way because I think they're super important. And if you are listening to the audio version, go to YouTube if you want to see the raw data here. Yeah, so retention is the biggest problem for all companies. I really believe retention is what creates incredible companies. Not just I believe, it's a fact. Um, yeah, it's it's yeah. literally just it's, it's literally just math. It's just if, math. If you want to build a remarkable company, you need to retain your customers, right? Because the bigger you get and the higher percentage of your customers leaves, the harder it is to fill those customers leaving with more and more new customers, and also grow on top of that. It's just growth becomes a near impossibility, right? Right. So this is one month retention for incumbents when you look at consumer apps, and again, they're compared consumer apps for the most part here, not B two B apps. 
YouTube, one month retention, the 85%. YouTube month one retention at 85% is bananas. YouTube is just an incredible business, Crazy. incredible platform, one of the best M&A deals of all time. But you go through all of these apps and you end up with Candy Crush, which is at 48%. Well, look, Duolingo at 50% for language learning is amazing. It's really good. Like 63% 63 so is the medium here. WhatsApp, Look, Tinder's at 54%. Business. Like, sex is just above learning another language, basically, <laughs> in this chart. It's pretty wild, and It's kind of wild, right? Like, Tinder has inbuilt... If you actually are successful in Tinder, you should actually churn. Yes, so you would correct. actually There is a built-in churn some in of the, that app, for Duolingo sure. Duolingo is the same, right? Some of these have inbuilt churn. If you're actually successful with the product, you will churn. If you look at the AI-first companies, not doing so well. ChatGPT, one-month retention, 56%, but all the way down. The medium here is about 42%. So, so the median on the kind of non-AI companies in terms of usage and one-month retention and the first-gen AI companies is 42% is the median. So that's right. a pretty massive difference, right? But the big problem is not in churn, it is in engagement, Ooh, right? Oh, okay. Daily active and monthly active users. WhatsApp, I live on WhatsApp, 85%. You can see the medium here for engagement, which again, daily active users and monthly active users. 51% for some of the best companies. YouTube, then, again, doing pretty amazing. It's good, 4%. But look at the AI companies. 14% is the medium. 14% daily active users on ChatGPT. 14% daily engagement. Yeah, how, can, can we again talk about how character AI is at the top of this chart? I just, it is it's one of those. It's to me. We, if we can get the one of the founders on, I would love to talk to them about Yeah, if the anybody watching doing. or listening knows the founders character.ai, please DM us on Twitter, LinkedIn, whatever. Hit us up on the YouTube comments. We want to have them on because this business continues to be one of the more fascinating businesses of the first generation of AI companies that right. I've, I've seen. And uh, the average user spends about two hours within this app. And this is what is character.ai. It is basically a companion tool. You're able to create chatbots in any sort of different forms and actually engage with them. People use them for friends. People use them actually I've seen on uh, Twitter slash X for therapy. And you can argue the point if that's good or bad and use them for like many different forms of a companionship. The thing to take away from here isn't just that this is like really bad compared to the incumbents, but actually this is the best of the best. This is 14% like best of the best. And so there's this a whole slew of apps that are getting next to no engagement. And so AI has a problem at the moment where it's trying to figure out how do we create something that has intrinsic value that someone uses every day, every week, every month. First of all, quick sidebar, as we're talking about the character.ai thing, Karen, you know how like in therapy or in like psychology, there's a lot of self-talk like recommendations. Most of it's actually like, open yeah, questions. Most of it's, yeah, questions and self-talk, right? What if we just made a version of ourselves on character.ai? <laughs> we took to all ourselves. of our YouTube videos and everything, trained a model, and just did our self-talk on AI versus like in our heads. So I was like, That's, that, that'd kind of be better. Like it'd be like probably a more rational, less emotional self-talk. I'm telling that's what's going to happen. Everyone's going to have a, totally gonna a happen, version right? of themselves. Everyone's going to have a version of someone that they feel they can learn from. Like you're going to have your own AI team, right? Based upon the kind of people you think are best for you in that team, whether that's a... Coach, did you see the release from the fitness app that you Whoop. and I... Whoop has an, had an awesome release where you can now AI interact with all of your Whoop data. So exactly. all the data about your sleep, your recovery, everything, you can just ask that data questions. So you have a wellness coach, right? Like you actually have Correct. a wellness coach. You can actually have a wellness coach. You can have a cooking coach. You can have a Kieran, better version of myself coach. <laughs> the version that is in Spain, chilling out, feeling good about Flip things. Flop. We're going to call him Flip Flop Kieran. 
we could have an AI companion fashion bot, right? Like, like can actually tell I'm me ready the right. For it. And we're going to get into this because not only can those bots respond to me in text, they can actually give me pictures, videos. We're going to get into multimodal. But okay, anyway, okay, yes. just to round out the first act, I want to just quickly round out the first act. Some successes, many failures. Those failures are because AI apps have not found a way to create something that is valuable to users on a daily basis, weekly basis, monthly basis. Why is that? For the most part, that is because those models and those tools are not customized for that individual or business's need. Where we're going to go in the second act, we're going to get into some of this, which is multimodal, but also we're going to get into model customization. We're going to get into better infrastructure to do that customization. And we're going to get into cheaper ways to scale those models through better priced GPUs. And so that are some of the things we're gonna see coming over the coming six months. Yeah, and if you want proof of all of that usage data, literally just open the ChatGPT mobile app. What do you see now? You see prompts, you see a ton of suggested Templates. things to do because they are trying to make it more specific to you. They're trying to get you more immediate value. They're trying to improve reoccurring usage of that product, right? This is actually a thing that we did an episode on way, way when we started this podcast, which is like templates are the number one way that product-led growth companies try to acquire users, onboard users, and increase usage of that product. And actually OpenAI, ChatGPT is a product-led company, and they've actually instrumented templates to try to make that much more specific for those users. Well, exactly. And so we kind of, even the hits, even the biggest successes of the first stage of generative AI have some real weaknesses and that's usage and retention, right? So Kieran, I thought you set up the next act really, really well. And there's a bunch of stuff I wanna show you. The first, first thing I wanna show you about act two is a tweet from this really smart dude. His name's Kieran Flanagan. Yes, here he is. At last. Yeah, I love your tweet on this so much that I wanted to show you this. And so one, your tweet is all about how audience is going to be more important in the future. We're going to get to that. But that's because we're entering an era of copy and paste software. I love this. I think this is a little Kieran coining action happening where you're calling this the copy and paste software era. Break down what's happening in this, this video from wild. McKay Wrigley. Yeah, Break so first down. of all, if you want to really be on top of what's going on in AI, Follow McKay Wrigley. Let's get him on really the good. show, by the way. He's one of my favorite yes. followers. Come on the show, McKay. Okay, what he's doing in this video is he is showing the uh, AI, ChatGPT, which has gone multimodal, and you all should have access in a couple of weeks. They are rolling this out across all users. Again, a little history recap. We were meant to get this in the original GPT-4. We did not get yes. that. Hypo reasons being, most people think it's because of costs. We are now making these things cheaper. It's coming to all users. What he's done here is he has basically said to ChatGBT Vision, which is multimodal, hey, here is a screenshot of a SaaS app. Can you write the code? Basically break down that SaaS app, articulate it, and then write the code for me to be able to replicate it. He went from showing the AI the screenshot of the SaaS app to just copy and paste in the code it gave him and then just running that code and replicating that entire app. And if you go through the video, it's like 80% there. It got all of the numbers right, because this is an app that has dashboard and financial data and all of these different things. It replicated the functionality. It replicated the numbers. It got a lot right. And he has not yet edited this code. 
right? So he's not even like made it better or had to edit it in any way. This is incredible. We are getting to the point where you can basically just tell the app to replicate software that you give it, and it will just recreate that for you. So how does product not get commoditized? Like I, I made this kind of point last week where I talked about the future really in B2B is B2B creators create product. They already have an audience. They create product for an audience they already have. People said, that's never going to happen because it's really hard to create B2B software. No, it isn't. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You can just give it an image and make it nice. Some of it, obviously enterprise level software, there's a lot of complex software. A lot of it, you can just paste into the AI and it will create it for you. Product gets commoditized, audience value goes up tenfold, if not a hundredfold. We'll be right back, but let me tell you about a podcast from our network. Truth, Lies, and Workplace Culture is brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, your audio destination for business professionals. Join husband and wife team, Al and Leanne Elliott, as they dispel myths, impart wisdom, and answer all your questions about finding, keeping, and motivating great people. Their audience loves the show's unique blend of theory and practice, which helps business owners and leaders simplify consumer psychology. If you enjoy learning what makes people tick, then this is the show for you. Recently, they did an amazing episode on what makes your team say yes, exploring the psychology of influence. Phil Agnew shares his rich experience in behavioral science and delves into the intricate psychology of influence. They explore the fine line between influence and manipulation, uncovering how subtle cues and messaging impact team decision-making and motivation. Whether you're a leader, marketer, or anyone interested in the art of intelligence, this episode is packed with strategies and psychological principles to understand and harness the power of yes in teams and organizations. Listen to Truth, Lies, and Workplace Culture wherever you get your podcasts. Well, there's a couple of things that happen here, right? So like what you're really saying is, okay, use the Mr. Beast or some consumer creator example. You have these consumer creators who go out, they build a big audience, and then they make chocolate bars. They open restaurants. Right. They do all these things, right? His revenue in the last year is 800 and something million, Mr. Beast. Yeah. Like he's, not so, a, so, he's not a creator. He's a, he's a real company. Right. I mean, to quote Jay-Z, yeah. I'm not a businessman, I'm a business man, exactly. right? Like that is, that's what's happening there. But here's the fascinating point. Like one of the things you and I've talked about is the importance of creators in B2B. Austin Reef, who we're gonna, I think, Austin, I think you're gonna come on the show soon, everything. A lot of people have talked about this, but the reality is Mr. Beast, who has this huge audience, he's running tough businesses. Those are like really physical good businesses. You have to understand manufacturing, the margins aren't that high, right? So it's like, yeah, you, he might be making a couple hundred mil off that 800 million revenue, right? Software margins are incredible. Way better. Way better. So what you're about to see in this era of copy and paste software is anybody with an audience is gonna have a software product. Right. And what's gonna happen? Well, we're gonna have way more software than ever before. We're gonna be overwhelmed with software. That's gonna be a problem. The second thing is software margins are gonna come down. Right now, like if you're a good software business, you would have like 80% gross margins, right? Those gross margins are going to drop down to more in the 30, 40, 50% range. Don't you think? 
Well, how is there's two things converging? Not immediately, but over the next decade. There's two things converging here, which is the power of creators. Well, we talked about this before. All brand channels are starting to favor creators versus brands. But also smaller companies are going to be able to do much more revenue. Look at Midjourney. Midjourney is a company of 13 people, and it's generating hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue. So creators, B2B creators, they don't need to replicate a very large company. They can build a company of 15 to 20 people and have a business that's generating 100 plus million dollars in revenue for a tool that they've used AI to help build and then promote it to their audience. And I think that's going to be a trend that matters. Because to your point, Mr. Beast, what are the industries he's in? He's in burgers and chocolate. Like these are two commoditized sectors. It's not like he went into a sector that was blue ocean. He went into the reddest of red ocean. And what did he have available to him audience? The other thing that maybe we can do a separate show or maybe we can kind of riff on it for a couple of minutes here is, but the thing that actually gets disrupted a lot here as well, it's not just all of us who work in software, it's also VCs, because yeah. how, oh, why, totally. do you, why do you that's, take- I think that's a separate show. Yeah, like, it's a that separate is, show. Like, the VC economics are going to completely change. Yeah, it's going to be a very different industry when you have people who want to build a small company, a profitable company, and probably do not want to grow into like a conglomerate. Well, right. And so I want to double down on that point with another copy and paste software example, Kieran, that's simpler. So I saw this awesome post from a developer on Twitter who's big in GitHub and the Hugging Face community and everything. And what he did was he took a picture of his physical notebook and he input it into the new GPT-4 vision. And so that's the new multimodal version of GPT-4. I just recorded a show about that. It was on Thursday of last week. Go and check that out if you want the full details there. And it instantly turned that notebook into code to make a digital version. Right. And this is why this is so important. Think about anything physical can immediately, if for an extremely low cost, become digital. The implications of this on our world, on our society are immense. Like the biggest hurdle to adoption and the folks who watch and listen to the show are probably digital natives. There are a lot of people, a lot of businesses that still don't do much digitally, that still have a lot of paper, have a lot of manual process. The reason for that is because it's been hard to digitize them. That is about to completely change. I know people who are like, oh, this format of my notebook just works perfectly for me and I don't want to use anything else. Well, it's great. Well, now you can have that same exact format here, free, easy, right away. Like to me, this, it might be overly simplistic, but this type of simple use case is the most mind-blowing because it makes everything accessible. Right. This is the, everyone gets an app, which is... Again, <laughs> exactly. we, we talked about, about this, this before, before, which is everyone gets their own version of the app that they want. And customization gets even more ingrained in how companies and people use software because why use one out of the box software and try to like construct it for your needs, but give up on a lot of things because it, you just can't customize it that way versus actually just telling the AI exactly what you want and getting something built for you. And the other version that I saw that again is incredibly powerful is the power that I think designers will have in software going forward, because there are great examples out there of people going from Figma files to software, yes. right? They just go from the thing that I have designed to the AI building that to some like light edit and customization to put in that live. Now, again, we do know that there's like certain degrees of separation between an app that an AI can build and a you know really a complex enterprise level grade software. But there's so much software in that kind of point solution, easier to build for an AI. And the designer tomorrow can actually create the thing that they want 
in Figma and just have the AI build it. And so I do think you're going to see a lot of companies as well go much more designer-led in how software gets built. And I think this is the truly kind of starting point for the second act of AI, which is not just the infrastructure, yes. things getting better that I talked about, which is you know the easier to train models or customized models, cheaper infrastructure like GPUs, but the multimodal and the AI being able to train on your data and being much, much more accurate and have less hallucinations, make it more reliable for actually like shipping real products. This is like the starting point of the second act of companies where I do well, start well, to see there. I, I, I want to show you a tweet that I think it, it, like if we had to put a moment in time of when did the second act of AI start? I think it's this tweet. It's pretty savage. Sam Altman posts a tweet. Happy 25th birthday, Google. One of the most important companies ever. I'm very grateful for the amazing products that have changed my life and so many others. And then after that, in parentheses, he says, I worry that this will come across as some sort of snide comment. I mean it very genuinely. I'm sure he does mean it very genuinely, but it also strikes me as like an acknowledgement. It's like, you know, if you read Art of War or any great, you know, story of competition, you have to respect your competition, right? right? And this seems like a public respect and acknowledgement of that competition but it seems like genuinely he's also kind of starting to turn the page from the Google dominance to what could be OpenAI or some other company dominating, right? right? Like we talked about this. I know he's meaning this to not be savage and I'm not, I don't think he has ill intentions here. I'm just saying, wow, if a year from now we look back and like, wow, the second generation of AI is like killing it, what's going on? This is the tweet that I think kind of marks the timeline. Right. OpenAI have removed many of Google's advantages in this space that we've talked about Bard. Google are releasing really rapidly. They have Gemini, but there's just so many other competing products for what Bard can do. Like there's a company called perplexity.ai, which is even, it's not one of the core conglomerates and actually its experience is really good. Its results are really good. And so for it to even be comparable to Bard, you just would never have got that in search engine land. Like in traditional search engine land, you wouldn't have got a new startup to actually have a product that's somewhat comparable, not as good as Bard, but like can be talked about in the same way as Bard. Yeah. And this is the problem that Google has. Well, okay. And the reason we're in this, I, 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 want, I pull up another tweet because I think this is indicative of why we're in this new second era with these mind-blowing use cases. This is from our friend Rowan Chung over at The Rundown. Rowan's going to be on the show soon as well. If you look at in the last week what OpenAI did, they announced Dolly 3, which their image generation is going to get legit. They announced Motomodal GPT-4. We did a whole show on that. I don't buy the Sam Altman trolls Reddit with AGI. We, I think what that's been kind of debunked. You, okay, this is, let's just quickly pause because this is really good for our listeners, right? So there was a ton okay. of rumors that uh, OpenAI have said that they've achieved AGI internally. And then this comment pops up on Reddit from Sam Altman's account was verified as his account, has not used it in eight years. It was in a thread by a, who's the Twitter guy who started the rumor or like the the Apple guy, and Apple something. Yeah. And yep. underneath his thread in Reddit, Sam pops up and says, this has been achieved internally. And then he waits for a while and then adds the brackets like he did for the Google comment, right? Like, so actually it tracks with, with the way he did that. Oh, no, that's interesting. And adds in the comments, of course we haven't, this is trolling. If we had achieved it, we would not announce it in a Reddit comment. So do you, <laughs> is the part you don't believe 
the AGI part, or that's that wasn't even Sam. Well, yeah, in the first yeah, part. that, that it's, they, they don't. They, I agree with what he's saying that AGI hasn't happened yet internally. They would make a big, huge thing. But you out do of it, believe he popped up open in the Reddit? You do believe that Reddit comment was his? I, that does seem like he did pop up on Reddit. Isn't Reddit that a strange? Trolling thing for him to do a little bit like, like people no, are he, freaked humans are imperfect you know I'm not, I'm, I'm not gonna judge i've I'm had not my judging, fair I'm not judging. i'm just like wow like his pr losing my cool his pr team must be oh i do like that oh, like I think, I think he doesn't have a pr no, team come on up, now i think he's following elon's playbook and i think there's like a lot of advantages to that because you get to like hear what he really thinks so i thought it was funny but wow did he break the internet well, through that reddit comment he, he broke the internet and so i think that sam altman Playing the Elon playbook is, I think that's the right way to take that, is that he's touching a little bit on the Elon playbook of generating publicity. Look, OpenAI is also trying to sell secondary equity at a valuation billion. of 80 to $90 billion. Not bad. And another aspect of ChatGPT that we used to have, internet browsing, is coming back. Right. We're so back, baby. Internet browsing coming back in ChatGPT, which is incredibly, incredibly valuable because one of the core issues with chat gpt as a replacement for bard google whatever is the recency of the data and so bringing internet browsing back is going to be huge in chat gpt right right i think like so the amount of innovation in one week and so that's why we're kind of getting past the hype cycle now is because we're now shipping real substantive features and one of the things i talked about in the multimodal gpt4 episode is that multimodal really reduces the barrier to use and continue to use AI technology and will bring the next wave of adopters on board. And so that is really why we're in the next generation of the AI race right now. Right, right. I agree with that. It just makes it much more usable, being able to use it through, I think you can use it through images, text, video. I think video is the one that has stole some way to go, but while like the video stuff for translation oh, is incredible. Yeah, we'll, we'll do a whole show incredible. on that in the future. That's really cool stuff going. Okay. This has been an awesome show, Kieran. I got one thing to leave you with. I think to summarize everybody, the second part of the show was all about the crazy use cases. The fact that you can now replicate real software in GPT-4 from an image. And you can do something as simple as taking a planner and making code and making it a web app. Like that opens up the bridge to make so many things that are physical digital today. But the more things change, Kieran, the more they stay the same. I've been really enjoying the Founders podcast recently with David Sonara, and he had this awesome thread of lessons from Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger, right? And I thought a couple of these were so incredible I wanted to share. The first one was, the one thing that has surprised me my whole life is how many people with high IQs do massively stupid things, right? Which I thought was like, I was like, oh, that is so relevant to this new era that we're living in that there are going to be brilliantly smart people in this AI race who, whether they're incumbents or they're startups, that are going to just make stupid decisions out of competition, ego, emotion, all of those things. Right? Right. Well, yeah, we are in an AI race, and so it forces you to make rash decisions in some cases. Yeah. The other one that I liked is sometimes I joke that the sign at Nebraska reads, remember your helmet. So this is a college football stadium in Nebraska. Charlie and I are remember your helmet kind of guys. It's like, hey, you want to be prepared. You want to be as safe and prepared as possible going into this battle, this uncertain time, right? And I thought that was like, oh, it's not the crazy folks that are going to win. It is the sane and rational. 
the one thing I would leave you with, Kieran, I was talking with Andrew Hare from Fount Bio yesterday, actually. I think you know, you know Andrew, at least on Twitter. And he and I were chatting and he gave me the best two by two ever. Oh, wow. Okay. And he's like, hey, this two by two has been accredited to eight different generals. Nobody really knows what it's come from because for folks who don't know, Andrew was like a performance co coach in the military, like high, high performance operator. And he's like, look, your two by two is just a grid of ambitious versus lazy. Okay. And anybody who's ambitious and not lazy, they're your operators. They're going to go and go and do. Anybody who's ambitious and lazy are your generals, are your commanders, because they're going to dictate. They're the ones that are going to delegate, dictate. And the biggest challenge that people have is going from that ambitious and not lazy part to the ambitious and quote unquote lazy, you know, where he's using lazy and jest to become a true like leader strategist and kind of get out of the weeds is kind of the point he's making. And he's like, if they're not ambitious and they're lazy, the world needs cooks. That's like, that's fine. If they're ambitious and they're lazy, that's just trouble. Like get rid of those folks. Those are the folks that are going to like go make terrible, stupid decisions, right? And I, I really loved that two by two because I was like, oh, most two by twos we do are all nerdy and dorky. And that's like so simple, but so powerful in like the types of people who actually run companies, run businesses today. I... I'm not getting the lazy part. I have to be really honest. Is it doing or not doing? Like, am I, like, are we aspiring to be lazy and not lazy and ambitious? Well, or yeah, so ambitious? basically la lazy, lazy in this example is meant to be like hyperbolic, right? Where it's like, oh, if you're really ambitious and you're really hardworking, you're going to be in the weeds, you're going right. to be in the details and you're never going to be able to elevate, have real strategy. Yeah, it's the doing. Delegate, have people do those things for you, right? So Andrew's kind of using hyperbole here to be like, if you really want to elevate yourself as a leader, you need to be very ambitious, very smart, but also, quote unquote, lazy, basically saying, being willing to delegate, let go, right. get out of the weeds right. of operations. Yeah, I get that. Right? The altitude you operate at. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So we covered a ton of ground today. I wanted to leave with those couple of stories because I thought that they were super interesting. I could not be more excited about the next generation of AI, the use cases we talked about today. Huge shout out to everybody at Sequoia who worked on that article. I thought that data was incredible. Kieran, anything you want to add before we kick off today's show? No, I think in the next couple of weeks, we are going to begin in multimodal. I know we've already have some of it in Bard. We get it in ChatGPT Vision. I think go play with these tools. They are going to be game changing. This is the next wave. All of us are going to be using these tools in our day-to-day -day job. And I think this is a great time if you have not dove in to dive in with these new features coming. Perfect. It's been an awesome show. Thanks for watching, everybody. We'll be back with you real soon on a new episode of Marketing Instagram.